want to tell you one of my favorite stories that happened to me uh, several years ago, I think it was nine years ago at this point, that was not one of my favorite stories when it first happened. And that was the very first time I went up to visit my dear friends, the Dominican Sisters of Mary Mother of the Eucharist, up in beautiful Ann Arbor, Michigan. And as I was reminded the week I was leaving to head up there, it's the only thing beautiful about Ann Arbor, Michigan. So... I love getting to go up there, right? But the very first time I went, I was still the pastor of St. John the Baptist in Tryon. And this comes into play because I had a permanent alarm clock on my phone that was set for 6 a.m. because there we had the country club schedule of an 8.30 daily mass. So I got to sleep in until 6 every day, and it was fantastic. But here the deacon demands it's at 7, so, you know, i got to get up really early and all this. But... So I had a permanent alarm set for six, right? But up there, those sisters, they're tough. Their alarm bell goes off at 5 a.m. They're in the chapel at 5.30, you know, praying, and it's just glorious and beautiful. Well, first day I'm up there, I get in on Thursday night. Friday morning, I am set. I want to make a good impression. I want to be in there and, like, get the full experience. So I woke up early. I got ready. I was in that chapel at 5.20. And I'm in the back just taking in. The sisters are gradually coming in. 5.30, everything starts as usual with their morning offering, a little bit of chanting, Eucharistic adoration, and then they have just like silence, just silent Eucharistic adoration. It was heavenly. I'm sitting there taking it all in. Can you pray with them? They're in, in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament, and it was lovely until... 6 a.m., my phone decided to explode with glory to God, glory to God in the highest. Yes, the Gloria Discord, the Gloria song from Handel's Messiah. Just blasts, and their acoustics in their chapel, even better than our acoustics for singing. And so this, you know, blows out there. at 6 a.m., the perfect silence is shattered by the glory to God. I have a mild heart attack, grab from my phone, silence the thing as fast as possible, and sit there in just like utter embarrassment for the next several you know, minutes until Mass at 6.30, convinced that, well, I guess I'm never coming back here, right? So luckily, though, obviously, I have gotten to go back. And I remember later that day, I was lamenting what had happened to one of the sisters, Sister Mary Grace. And she was so good. She goes, you know, Father, for a second, I thought it was the end of time. And... <laughs> I loved that reaction. It made me feel so much better. But I'll tell you, the reason I tell that story, besides the fact that I do love it, and it just kind of shows how good they all are, but I think that the two reactions, you know, Sister Mary Grace's reaction and mine, kind of exemplify the two different ways that we can be at the coming of Christ, right? When he comes at the end of time, either to say, you know, I thought it was the end of time, or having a mild heart attack and grasping for your phone. Now, when you look at this gospel today, you know, our Lord is warning us about all sorts of things that are coming. You know, the signs and the sun, the moon and the stars. Nations will be in dismay, perplexed by the roaring of the sea and waves. People will die of fright. And the thing is, I know, there's never really been just like a period of peace in the history of mankind. There are things that we can point to today that look just like this, nations in dismay, roaring in the seas and waves, people dying of fright. All of these things, right, happen all the time, and our Lord is warning us about them. But as he goes on to say, don't become drowsy, stand erect, your redemption is at hand. 
The beautiful thing about I think this particular section of the Gospel of Luke, this is the end of chapter 21. And when we get into chapter 22, 14 verses in, and this is right after Judas betrays him, we have the Last Supper. Immediately he says that he has longed to have this banquet with the, with the apostles. And what does he give them on the night he was betrayed? But himself in the Eucharist. And my brothers and sisters in Christ, the same is true for us. In the same way that he gave himself to the apostles, he gives himself to us. And this season of Advent reminds us not only of his coming at Advent, but it reminds us of the fact that he is with us every day in the Blessed Sacrament. And yes, on this first Sunday of Advent, the church tells us, wake up. He is coming again. And so we don't want to become drowsy. We don't want to forget about the fact that he is in our presence. And yes, he is coming, but how are we going to react to that coming? And I would recommend being like the sisters, be like Sister Mary Grace. How does she get to the point that she's able at this blast of glory to God when it's totally unexpected in silence to think, I think it's the end of time, to be happy and joyful about the coming of Christ? Why? Because she's in love with him. And she goes to spend time with him countless times throughout every single day. She's there in his presence. She knows him and he knows her. They're there together. Now, not suggesting everybody run up to Ann Arbor and join and get up at 5 a.m. every day. I've tried. They won't let everybody in, okay? But to be like them, to fall in love with our Lord and recognize the fact that he is in our midst and to make that time for him every single day, not to become drowsy. And how does that happen? As we hear from our Lord, from carousing and drunkenness and the anxieties of daily life. Now, carousing, hopefully we're not all following that. It sounds terrible. But drunkenness, right? Like all of these things, and we know, I mean, the, the world does not help us at Advent time anymore. I don't mean to sound like the Grinch, but it's like we're already like on the full march to Christmas. And you know, that kind of just leads to December 25th, and it's like, okay, put up the Valentine's Day stuff. You know, like we, we like move ahead so fast, we got to stop and wake up. Are we in a good relationship with our Lord? Are we waking up to spend time with him or are we diving right into all of these things that could be, you know, under the category of carousing and drunkenness? Like basically when we have our hard times, do we just reach for another drink? Do we eat more? Is it more steak? Is it more junk on the internet? Is it all of these things or are we living temperately, asking for that virtue of temperance, to use the good things of this world in the right way. I mean, it's not as though our Lord is like, no Christmas cookies for you. No, have a Christmas cookie, but don't eat the whole box, right? Like, there are things that we can do that, that celebrate the fact that he has come without replacing the fact that he has come with these other things. That basically we look to at this season to grow in our love of him. And that virtue of temperance helps us to do that. What about the other one? The anxieties of daily life. Luckily, none of us have those, right? Of course not. Like, everybody has different anxieties. We all get anxious about the many things around us. Be they close to home, be they on a global level, and everywhere in between. But the fact of the matter is, he's with us. And if we cling to him, if we go to him, if we ask for that virtue of fortitude, to have courage, and how do we do that in this crazy world? Remember the fact that the victory is won. 
that he's laid down his life for us, that he is risen from the dead. And if we stay plugged into that fact, if we embrace him every single day, I'll tell you a little uh, sort of devotional thing I kind of like to do. You know, I sit over here for my prayer time behind the chair I sit in for Mass. And my view from there is right at the crucifix. It's on the wall right here. A lot of you can't see it where you are. Feel free to come up and look on your way out. I often... When I'm having a hard time, when the anxieties of daily life are hitting me like a tidal wave, right? I just envision myself hugging our Lord at the foot of the cross, right? Hugging his feet. Sometimes when things are difficult enough, I go right down to the cemetery. Thank you, Eric, for making such a beautiful crucifix. And I literally hug the cross. Why? Because he's here. Because he doesn't abandon us to the anxieties of daily life. We are not alone. And he tells us not to become drowsy, not to be overwhelmed by this. Why? Because he is here. And when we recognize that and live our lives in such a way that we spend that time with him, that drowsiness won't overcome us. We will have fortitude. We will have temperance. We will be able to keep going, and that day will not catch us off guard. That ultimately we will be able to say, you know, I think it's the end of time as opposed to just having a heart attack and grasping for our phones and being terrified. Because the beautiful thing about this season is our Lord is telling us, wake up, I'm here. He's come at Bethlehem. He's here right now. He will come again. And the good news for us is that he is in our midst. During this time, my brothers and sisters in Christ, ask him for that grace to fall more and more in love with him. To not be overcome by the fright of the world. To not become drowsy by carousing and drunkenness or the anxieties of daily life. But to recognize the fact that our Lord has come. Our Lord is here. And our Lord will come again. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever.